If you have your Bibles, please turn to the book of John, please. John chapter 10, John chapter 10, John chapter 10, John chapter 10, and we've been, um, been sharing with you the power from the parables, and tonight we're going to read just a little bit more than what we normally do, but we want to read to you, if, if I'm correct in this, and I, I pray that I am after researching it, this is the only parable that's mentioned in the book of John, and we'll tell you about that here in just a little bit and why that is. But John chapter 10, and remember, uh, for those of you that may be new to Christianity, new to church, new to Bible reading, um, the, what I have here, we, at this church, we use the King James Version of the Bible, and that is... uh, that's what we use. That's our, that's our guidebook. And so if you want to be able to follow along with us, then I suggest you getting uh, that kind of a version of a Bible. That way you can, you, you understand what we're saying and we can explain it to you better. Now the, the king, the original text was not divided up into chapters and verses. We know that they did that for our help and for our convenience. So sometimes when you start reading things, uh, you don't understand that maybe this this isn't this is just a section of a longer account, and actually the the chapter nine belongs in chapter ten. It's one continuous conversation here, and chapter nine is a story of Jesus healing a blind man from birth, and this in in chapter ten it was his uh, I don't know if you want to say it rebuke, but it was his lesson to teach those that were against him because uh, they couldn't understand why he was doing what he was doing. And he was making some pretty amazing claims in chapter nine. And we'll tell you about that here in just a little bit. Chapter 10, verse one, verily, verily, which simply means truly, truly. I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. I didn't expect that. And a stranger will they not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not what things they were which he spoke unto them. Then said Jesus unto them again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved, and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth, and the wolf catches him and scattereth the sheep. The hiring fleeth because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As a father though of me, even so know I the father 
and I lay down my life for the sheep. And the other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, you better be thankful, you all, that this verse is in there, by the way. Because this is talking about us, the Gentiles. And the other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my father love me, because I lay down my life, and I might take it again. No man taketh it from me. But I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. We'll stop there. Of course, John's gospel account, it's exclusive from the other gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, and, and Luke. Um, mainly, John spends his time doing two things. Number one, he is making a concerted effort to make sure that we understand that Jesus is God and that he was the son of God. And number two, he records other events that the Matthew, Mark, and Luke did not record. Um, there's uh, There's a terminology when you study the Bible, it's called the synoptic gospels. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are what we call the synoptic gospels because they have a lot of similar stories and similar accounts. John is totally different from Matthew, Mark, and Luke. There's actually only one miracle that you'll find in all four gospels, and that's the feeding of the 5,000. And actually, John didn't even call that a miracle. He called it a sign. And the reason was this. The sign was to point to something else, right? When you see a sign on the road, the sign is not there for, to point out the sign, the sign's there to point you to some other location. And so John referred to the things that Jesus did as a sign because it always, he always wanted to make sure that it always pointed to him being the son of God. So John uh, did not talk a lot about, in fact, uh, as I mentioned, this is the only parable you'll find in the book of John because he spent his time identifying Christ as the son of God. And so one of the ways that he made sure that uh, he brought out the fact that Jesus was the son of God, and this is what got Jesus in trouble. He made seven statements in the book of John that got him in a lot of trouble with the Jewish leaders and with the religious leaders. And those were the I am statements. He, in John chapter six, he said, I am the bread of life. John chapter eight, he said, I am the light of the world. In John chapter 10, two, two of them. He said, I am the door and also I am the good shepherd. John chapter 14, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He also said, I'm the way, the truth and the life. And then in John chapter 15, he said, I am the true vine. This was important because when he said this, he was making claim to something that no one had ever made claim to before. And in fact, in John chapter eight, verse 58, the beginning of this, really this account that is happening in front of us, he made this statement, which really stirred controversy when he said before Abraham was, I am. He was telling religious leaders, I am the son of God, but I'm also God because before I was there in creation, I was there in the garden. I was there before Abraham, it was even existed. I was there. And so 
he, he made this statement. And when you make statements like this, you better be able to back it up. And thankfully, he was able to back it up. Of course he was. And so this got him into trouble. And uh, Jesus just got done healing this blind man that was born from birth. And there was great controversy over this. There was great conversation how it happened. And now basically he's, he's on trial basically there. And, and they start asking him these questions. And so he starts to explain how he was able to do what he was able to do. And he gives them this story. He gives them this story. And this story that I read to you, there's only two points tonight. So we won't be very long, maybe. Two points can go long. But the reason why he spoke these words in John chapter 10 in this parable, and here's the power in the parable, two things, legitimacy, legitimacy, and also leadership. Two things he wanted to prove in John chapter 10 was legitimacy and leadership. And we're going to break those down here very quickly. First of all, notice the legitimacy. He, he got that out of the way right at the very beginning, even though they didn't understand. He broke it down into three category groups. He said, there's a shepherd, there's a thief, and there's a robber. Broken down to three categories. The shepherd, his occupation, his job is to lead and feed the flocks and to take care of the flocks. The thief and the robber, he, he makes sure there are two separate people because the thief is stealth, stealthy. A thief wants to come in and take what you have and you not even know he's been there. But a robber will come in and just tear up things and he don't care if you know they're there or not. You know, he'll come and rob a store and wave at the cameras on the way out. And so he was creating this legitimacy and really the, all three of those people have things in common. They want to own something. They want to own something. But the issue is, he gave them the issue. Here's the problem. He said, there's only one way you can come into this sheepfold and if you come up any other way but by the door, then you are a thief and a robber. He was giving them warnings that there were people that would try to go around the way to get into the sheepfold. He said, there's only one way to get there, and that's through the door. He created the legitimacy, and he created uh, his integrity by telling them this. He said, there's only one way to get it done, and you got to go through the door. And really, it's this way. The way you go and get something reveals why you want something. The way you go and get something reveals why you want something. Really, we can break it down this way. Your method reveals your motive. The method reveals the motive. He says, if you come in any other way but through the door, then you have to start questioning the motive of those people. We have doors into this house, into this sanctuary. Many of you may not realize this, but after church starts, there's only one way you can get into this church. There's only two, actually two doors that you can get in after church begins. We do that out of security, we do that out of precaution to protect those that are downstairs, our little kids, and protect you up here. There's only one direction they can go. They have to come in those doors back there, and when they do, if they are suspicious in any way, thank God we have most of the sheriff's deputies and the sheriff here at the church. I just want to warn you and the sheriff on the outside. So really, we're well protected and most of all, God's got us in his hand, right? But say someone tries to get in any other way during the service other than those doors, you're gonna think their motive is not pure, 
right? And so Jesus says, if there are people out there that try to go in any other way, try to get into salvation any other way, but through the door, their motive is not pure. When someone walks in the door and in through the right location, Everyone can see them and you know they're there for one reason. And listen, when Jesus came, wrapped as a babe in swaddling clothes, he entered through the door. There was the pure motive in his heart and the motive was he came to lay down his life for the sheep. He didn't come in any other way but the way, the protocol that God had set forth. And aren't you thankful? He is the legitimate son of God and he proved it when he came in the door. Amen. Amen. So that's the legitimacy, but then this is the longer point, the leadership. The leadership. Notice when he said, to him the porter openeth. What's he talking about? He's talking about the sheepfold and the porter is opening the door and the sheep hear his voice and he calleth his own sheep by name and leadeth them out. Okay, let's talk about this leadership for a little bit. Talk about the porter. The porter in this passage of scripture represents, I believe, a typology of the spirit of God. Okay? So we all understand that. He is at the door, opening the door for the shepherd to come in. So here, just hang with me just for a second. The Lord showed me this this week. And I, it busts my socks off and I hope it does you too. The spirit always will sanction the shepherd. Because if anybody other than the shepherd tried to get in, he wouldn't open the door for him. So anything that happens in the house of God that the spirit sanctions, the Lord will be welcome inside the house of God. But anytime you try to bring in something that is not of the spirit of God, the door's not gonna be open for you. Amen. The spirit will always sanction the shepherd. Boy, isn't that good. <laughs> Hallelujah. The spirit always sanctioned the shepherd. And you know when the door closes or when it opens, don't you? When this family came up here and the first words that came out of their mouth, hallelujah, the doors of heaven opened and the spirit said, hallelujah, I sanction that. Hey man, aren't you thankful that when a pastor, when our pastor gets up here and preaches the word, the door opens and God says, I sanction that. Oh, aren't you thankful when we have different singing groups in, when someone gets up and testifies, what we experienced this morning, God opens the door and says, I sanction that. But we've also seen it when the spirit wasn't in it. Thankfully, that don't happen too often around here. Hadn't happened in a long time. And I, I pray it never will. Because God ain't gonna open the door for that. Anytime you wanna bring glory to yourself and you do anything apart from what God wants you to do, God will shut the door every time. And not only will you know it, but we'll know it too. Amen, somebody shout amen, that's good. The spirit always sanctioned the shepherd. But then once he brings in the shepherd and then the shepherd will lead the sheep in and out of the sheepfold. This tells me, and I'll bring this up a little bit later, but this tells me that in verses three, 
in verse 3 specifically, more than likely the sheep are at home. Because at home they would have had a porter taking care of the door. But when they have to leave home and go out into the world and go out into the field, the sheep have reassurance. <laughs> because the shepherd leads them. How does the shepherd lead them? He leads them by directing them, not driving them. Young people, middle-aged senior saints alike, you want to know God's direction for your life? I have it as simply as I can possibly can. You'll be directed by God. You won't be driven by God. But you might say, well, how in the world does the sheep know his voice? Because in order for a shepherd to lead out front, that means he has to be able to speak to them and tell them where to go and the direction they need to go. He speaks to them. He says, my sheep know my voice. How do they know the voice of the shepherd? It's because they spend time with him in the pasture. They know his voice out in public when they fellowship with him in the pasture. Tweet that. That's good. Tweet that when you get home. Put that on Facebook. (laughs) Hallelujah. They know his voice out in public when they spend time with him in the pasture. Amen. That's how you'll know which direction to go. And that's how you know the voice of the shepherd. It's when you spend time with him at home. It's when you spend time with him in your car. It's when you spend time with him in the day. When you know his voice, you know which direction he's going. You know, I know we know his voice, but him being in front of you means that you have to focus on him. And the only way the sheep will get in trouble is if they take their focus off the shepherd. Sheep have, you remember I told you, they've got almost 360 degree vision. I told you that about a year ago. I preached a message about, well, actually, yeah, I preached a message about lambs and they have almost 360 degree vision by the way they're able to turn their neck. And so they're easily distracted. So that's why the shepherd goes in front because when he goes in front and they know he's there, they have to focus on the shepherd in order to know which direction he's going. Young people, many of you are gonna have to make decisions. Some of you already have, some of you will be making those. May I suggest to you, don't ever make a decision looking down. Always make a decision looking and focused on the Savior, on the shepherd. Because the good shepherd will not lead you astray. Amen. 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 They stayed focused on the shepherd. It's like the neighbor that came up to his neighbor and said, hey, neighbor. That was a joke, by the way. It wasn't a good one, but anyway. Neighbor came to his neighbor and said, hey, neighbor, said, how do you get the lines on your lawn so straight? Did you get a new mower? I'd love for my lawn to look that way. I'd I'd like to be able to do it. How do you do it? Did you get a new mower? He said, no, I didn't get a new mower. He said, how'd you do it? He said, that tree right there. 
What do you mean that tree? He said, that tree is in the perfect angle of the line of my lawn. And as long as I keep my eyes on that tree and not look down, the lines in my lawn are gonna stay straight as long as I keep looking at the tree. Amen. If you haven't caught on yet, let me run it over one more time. Make sure you keep your eye on the tree. Amen. And you won't go to the left or the right. Don't waver. Keep your eyes focused on the shepherd. Amen. Amen. He said, I am the door. I am the only way you can get salvation is through me. I am the entryway. He also said, I am the shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Remember I said to you, no, no doubt when, it, when the porter was there, when the porter was there, they were at home. But the porter after verse three is never mentioned again. Why? Jesus was trying to tell us we're gonna spend most of our time out in the world. There will be a day when we get back home. But until that time, he will be there to lead us and to guide us. Amen. Amen. Aren't you thankful that when we're out in this world and we can lay down our head at night knowing that the shepherd is there. We can walk through this daily life knowing that the shepherd is there. Our pastor preached a couple Wednesday nights ago about feeding the flock. Wonderful message on how the shepherd feeds us. And I know I've mentioned this here before, but I just gotta say again, you all know it, so if you all know the, the, the significance of it, you can shout where you need to shout because you'll know where you'll need to shout here in just a little bit. But at home, they've got a, a door, they've got a porter, an actual physical door that he will open and close. But out in the world, out in the field, out in the pasture, if they can't get back home, unless there's a specific sheep pen or sheep fold out in the field, when it comes to nighttime, the most dangerous part of being a sheep is at night. He will make a sheep fold. And you can find pictures of them online. Sometimes they're, they're bushes and shrubs, make like a little boundary and sometimes they're little rock walls, but there's no door on them. You say, Brian, how in the world does a sheep get protected? See, well, the shepherd, he'll bring him into that little boundary area. But there's no door. There's no porter there. It's just the shepherd. You say, Brian, how's the, how's the sheep protected? You know what happens? The shepherd lays down in the doorway. And he becomes the door. You say, why is that so significant? Think about it. The only way a wolf can get in is he's got to go through the shepherd. <laughs> and the sheep can't get out because they got to go through the shepherd. So he becomes the door and his presence is there. And the sheep can lay down their head at night in the most dangerous time of their life knowing that they are going to be okay because the shepherd is the door. Amen. And I'm thankful. It may feel like sometimes that we're under attack and we may feel like we're in the nighttime of our spiritual life. But know this, if you're part of the fold, if you're part of his flock, he is the door. 
and he's watching out for you. He will protect you. And one day he's gonna lead us safely home.